So today we're talking to Toby. Hi, Toby. Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, Toby is a software engineer at Clubhouse, and we will be talking about something that I think we all take for granted, uh, which is Clojures. Um, so how, where do we start with Clojures? Where did it start? Uh, that's a great question. I, so it was originally, so Clojures has been around for uh, uh, 11 years now, I think, as of this month. Uh, and it was originally started uh, by Alex Osborne um, mm -hmm. and around the same time as, as Lanigan. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I think that's something that when you interviewed Phil, he talked about as well, that there was this synergy between him building Line and uh, Alex yeah. building Clojars at the same time. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it started around then and it was, it was um, uh, kind of in... Uh, it was kind of a way to have an easier repository to upload to like the, the, the most, the common repository used in the Java space is um, OSSRH, which is the open source software repository hosting, which is run by Sonotype and gets uploaded to Maven central. Um, and so, but it has, but OSSRH has some requirements around, you have to verify you own a certain group ID and you have to um, GPG sign everything and you have to do this two-step deployment process where you move, you deploy to a staging repository and then promote it to the mm -hmm. production one. And so I think I think that Clojures came about in kind of response to that to have a, a much easier way um, for folks in the closure, the closure community to, to publish um, projects. And, and, I, and I think it, it was a great success there because since it lowered it lowered the barrier so much it made it very very easy for to publish stuff so we saw a ton of really interesting libraries you know mm -hmm. uh, appear around you know over the course of you know closures history so that's been really nice right. mm -hmm. um so you said this was uh this was sort of as a response to lower the barrier were there any other problems that uh closures tried to address um, it's a good question. I think, um, I think, I think those were it, like really just to, 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 um, uh, just to avoid the restrictions. So like, again, like, you know, having to sign thing, having to sign packages and you also had to deploy over HTTP. So the original closures was actually, you deployed over SCP. So it was actually ex extremely easy to use. You just SCP. Oh, sorry. You know, uh, uh, secure copy, so copy over SSH. So you I would see. just you would just SCP your your artifacts directly into the repository, and you were done. Um, so it was that was really straightforward to use. Um, <clears throat> it did not work well with existing tooling, like if you wanted to deploy from Maven, the Maven mm -hmm. build tool, for example, you couldn't. Uh, so HTTP uh, was then added, uh, you know, in in like in like 2012 and then um ssh scp or ssh uploads were disabled uh shortly after due to a security uh flaw uh, mm -hmm. and and were never re-enabled so um so closures today uses the the standard mechanisms for deployment that that every every all the other tooling in the maven world uses um so you Which can deploy is... to it for many. So that is the, so it uses the, um, all, all your build, all your Maven tooling uses uh, mm -hmm. a library called Ether, which okay. I think is something that Phil also touched on, that it's the, 
the the dependency resolution and deployment bits that were extracted right. out of the Maven build tool. Mm -hmm. um, so it, you know, every pretty much everything now uses that for dependency resolution and for deployment purposes, mm -hmm. and that will right. work with closures. Yeah. Right. So normally, when we think about closures, we just think about you know either you know some uh, well dependencies in our project CLJ or Depths Eden, and then we have the website where you can search. But what's actually what's actually behind it? So or maybe how, um, it, how it evolve also. Yeah. So so originally it was a single instance um, running on uh, Linode, um, mm -hmm. and uh, had a SQLite database that was on disk. And the repository was on that same, <clears throat> excuse me, that same disk and was served uh, from from that machine. Um, and then uh, it, it it has evolved over time to um, being uh, where we moved first. The first thing we did was we moved it from Lino to Rackspace, and that was uh, done for a couple of reasons. One, it was that we um, Lino kept uh, suffering from denial of service attacks. Um, mm -hmm. which would then take closures down. I think around New Year's of 2016, uh, closures was down for several days because Linode was down. Um, so we wanted to move it to um, a more robust infrastructure. So we moved it to Rackspace, mm -hmm. partially because we also were, had uh, around the same time got an offer for free hosting at Rackspace via um, LVH, who's now the He's the executive director of the Closures Together Foundation, but mm -hmm. um, at the time he was working at Rackspace and uh, was able to get us uh, free hosting there. Um, so we moved to Rackspace, and at the same time, as part of that move, we we took the um, uh, the so so on Linode, we the machine was um, just a, a bespoke configuration. There was no configuration management tool like Ansible. It just evolved over time. And so it was, it was in a precarious situation. So if that instance went down, we would not be able to recreate it very, very quickly, very easily. So mm -hmm. in moving to Rackspace, we also uh, moved to Ansible to manage all that configuration so we could recreate that. Uh, Daniel Compton did all that work. Um, mm -hmm. We had done a, a fun drive uh, at, uh, at right after um, Closure Conj in 2015 to raise mm -hmm. some funds to, to to support Closures better, and we used that money to to uh, pay Daniel to build that Ansible configuration to move things to Rackspace. Um, so, um, yeah, so we moved it to Rackspace, and at the same time, we moved the the actual we split we we took the repository and made it still available from the box. But then we made a new route, uh, which was served by Fastly. Fastly was kind enough to donate uh, mm -hmm. services to us. So um, we had Fastly, a uh, Fastly CDN, and then behind that was Rackspace, Rackspace's cloud file solution, which is very, very similar mm -hmm. to Amazon's S3. So mm -hmm. we moved the, the repository there. Uh, and that allowed it to, that just gave us, made things more robust so you could um, access. Um, we, we, you know, folks could access the repository even if the server was unavailable or mm -hmm. was under maintenance or whatever. So this is the setup as it is today. And so now, yeah. So since then, so that was that was that was like twenty. That was like the last four years, twenty sixteen to early twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. um, uh, with uh, Rackspace, then eliminated their open source uh, hosting um, support, so uh, we were no longer getting free service there. So. 
uh, Amazon around the same time opened up a um, an open source uh, support program. So we applied to that program and got accepted. And that, mm-hmm. and then we, so then we moved everything to the AWS infrastructure. And at that same time, we made that move, uh, and that work was funded by a grant from Closures Together. Uh, I did that that work at, at that time. So we moved. We, we did several improvements. We further made the um, the configuration repeatable by moving things into Terraform. So it's Ansible and Terraform now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're now at the point where the the instance itself is completely disposable. In fact, uh, you know, once every couple of weeks, I just replace it with a new instance with a new AMI to get security fixes. So we're able to stay, you know, much closer to where we should be on on patches um, on the, at the OS level. And then what is what is Terraform? Yeah, so uh, Terraform is a um, a configuration tool for managing. Um, uh, typically for managing uh, resources in a cloud provider. Uh, so you, you have a declarative, a mostly declarative language um, that you write uh, your configuration in, and then you use Terraform, and it will compare w- how you say the world should be with how the world actually is in the service mm-hmm. provider, and then make them make and then adjust it to match. Um, so we use Terraform to manage. Um, our entire AWS set uh, setup, which is, um, you know, an auto scale auto scaling group for the instances and like a, a load balancer. Uh, as part of this work, we moved from SQLite on disk to a Postgres server. So we now are now using a hosted Postgres server in AWS. So it manages that. Uh, we have uh, quite a few S3 buckets that we store mm-hmm. uh, configuration data and the repo itself is managed uh, or is stored in S3. So we use uh, Terraform to manage all that stuff. And and all our Terraform config is open source. It's under the, it's on GitHub um, under mm-hmm. the Clojures um, organization. So if folks want to see it, they can. And that's right. been a really pleasant experience using Terraform for that. I see. Um, well, yeah. you know, I think you mentioned there are some like money here and there, some closures together uh, fund, but how in general this is like maintained and sustained yeah, that's a good question. So, um, well, I want to talk, you know, so I, I didn't get, I got involved in Clojure's, I think I started contributing around 2013 and mm-hmm. I became a uh, a maintainer in 2015. But before that, so Alex Osborne started it and then, you know, Phil Hagelberg came came in very early and worked with him and the, the two of them maintained it. Uh, and then uh, Nelson Morris came on board. And so, um the three of them did a ton of work early on, uh, building and main, maintaining uh, Clojures. Um, and then uh, around 2015, I, I came on board, and 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 the three of them had stepped down from, um, you know, day-to-day maintainership. And so mm-hmm. I took that over. And then um, Daniel Compton um, uh, came on board, and started helping me as well. Uh, and it's, you know, it's and so 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 today it's myself and Daniel that maintain it. Uh, but we've had, you know, tons of contributions from people in the community, which has been great. Um, financially, it was it was uh, paid for basically out of Alex's pocket uh, for the first uh, five or six, still so six years, I guess, until I, I took over, and then it, then I started paying for it out of pocket. And the costs were fairly low. It was the monthly Linode bill, and you know, buying a, a SSL certificate once a year. Um, but then in, in 2015 at Closure Conj, I, I gave a lightning talk about it, asked for donations and asked for help. 
So that led, led us to this fund drive where we raised a lot more money than we needed, especially mm-hmm. since out of that came uh, in-kind donations from services. That's how we you know, were able to get um, to run our rack space. And mm-hmm. we had um, we've got we had in-kind donations from Yeller for um, uh, uh, exception tracking and status page and Pingometer and Fastly, DNS Simple for mm-hmm. DNS hosting. Um, so we so we. So we ended up at a point where the cost to run it was uh, like for to pay for services was was almost zero. But then we had all this money, so we used that money to to fund the transition to Rackspace, used it to pay for some of my time, and then we used the remaining community donations to fund. Uh, we used some of those remaining community donations to fund um, opportunity grants to Closure Conj. Mm-hmm. Um, but around the same time. Um, I was concerned about the legal liability of running Clojars. I was concerned about having getting involved in some some sort of DMCA, the Digital mm-hmm. Millennium Copyright Act, some sort of a lawsuit. If somebody uploaded copyrighted content and somebody decided to sue Clojars, they would be suing me, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't comfortable with that. So I started talking to the Software Freedom Conservancy, mm-hmm. give me that legal protection. So we actually ended up moving closed jars under the software freedom conservancy which was interesting for them because typically they they host they deal with open source projects and the community around development of that project um and this was different because sure we had open source code that that was going into the that there that was going into the the conservancy but more importantly we were bringing this entire service this service Mm -hmm. to a large oss community um so it's a little bit different model for them um, but they were willing to take it on. And then, so then that put us in the situation where we were still getting money coming into Clojars. And so we were, so Daniel, uh, was really excited about taking that momentum and that money and building something else with it. And that's mm-hmm. where Closures Together came from. Right. So it kind of, kind of grew out of, um, out of this, this, this work to make Clojars better, which is mm-hmm. really awesome. And then Clojars, the incubator. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, since, since then, you know, closures together has, has kind of, be, kind of became the, the over the, 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 it was that, you know, closures was under the software freedom conservancy and closures mm-hmm. together was under closures, but then closures mm-hmm. together grew to the point where it kind of took over closures and mm-hmm. has now left the software freedom conservancy and is now its own trade organization and Clojars kind of lives underneath it as, as an essential part of the right. uh, closure community. So I, I love the project. I told Daniel so many times, this is such a great job that he's doing there. So yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's really, it's been really, really positive. Um, so like what's the future of Clojars? Like what's, uh, what's the current, I don't know, some kind of issues or anything that you're trying to solve or. Yeah, so I think that Clojars itself is in a pretty stable place. We haven't had any real production issues or incidents in, in, in several years now. I think we've got the infrastructure to be fairly robust. So I think at, at this point, like focusing on Clojars itself, we're, we're thinking about like how can we make security better? So we, you know, we recently released deploy tokens. Uh, so you use a token instead of a password. So it separates your login credential from your deploy credential. And we've, uh, just recently rolled out, um, login with, um, with GitHub, um, mm-hmm. 
which was which is you know an attempt to like consolidate and do some SSO stuff there, uh, and that work was done by uh, Renato Alencar um, in the community. It was they did a good job there. You know, like longer term, I'm not sure what the future of Clojure is like, because what's happened is you know well, a couple things are happening now in the community. One is that um, you know we have uh, Tools Depths Alpha as um, you know the up and coming tool for managing projects and it has a uh, it has built into it using git based uh, dependencies and so i don't know if we'll see that grow and 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 see more and more stuff move to that i mean we we certainly have a large base of historical stable libraries that are on clojars that may not be getting updates but people still use them because they work um, but also you know Clojars was kind of in response to Maven Central requirements, um, and was and was kind of really open at the start. You could you could redeploy already deployed versions. You know, you could um, you didn't have to sign things. You could uh, you you didn't have to you you you're, you could you could deploy things that were malformed. You could you could de- you could deploy something and then halfway through the deploy, you know, you had a network error and then you ended up deploying something that was completely broken. Over the years, we've addressed those things, and in, in the process of doing so, we have added more and more re- constraints around uh, what you can deploy. So we're, we are moving towards the Maven Central model. Uh, we're certainly much looser now because you still, um, if you want to deploy a, a, a new group, just the first person that ever deploys to that group owns it and get picks it up for free, so there's no validation. But there has been some requests in the community for that validations to prevent people from claiming names and, and squatting names or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, if, if we continue down that path and, and, and had wanted more and more constraints around this, I would then maybe recommend if folks want to deploy with constraints, they should just deploy to um, OSSRH and, and go to Maven Central because yeah. um, it's a much more robust and has infrastructure and has more funding and and maintenance behind it so so it's unclear what the future of closures is we're certainly going to keep maintaining it uh as is now people are still deploying all the time to it and still using it mm-hmm. uh to release and and obviously to to resolve dependencies and download things but so if i would be interested in deploying to closures what would be the way you would recommend this to to do this uh, so the most common way to do it is to use use lines uh, deploy mechanism, which is built mm-hmm. in, uh, and it already it's already it already has built into it you know an understanding of where to deploy to on closures. So it's it's really a matter of um, if you've never deployed to closures before, never created an account, you would have to go to closures, create an account. The easiest way to do that is to log in with GitHub. If you don't have GitHub or don't want to do that, you can just create an account using your email, you know, generate a password. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you would have to generate a deploy token. Mm-hmm. And that deploy token um, is you generate it and then it's shown to you that one time and then you'll never see it again for security reasons. So you, you copy that. And then you would have to configure, you'd have to tell Linegan, well, the easiest way to do it is not even tell Linegan your credentials. You just go to your the project you want to deploy and you say line deploy closures. Uh, and it will prompt you for your username and password. It will then generate um, all the needed. Uh, it will generate a, a palm.xml, which is a. Um, it's basically a, a, the. It's the. It's what the Maven world uses as a descriptor 
of your project. So you could think of it as like the Maven version of your project.clj. So mm-hmm. uh, Lime will create that for you, package up your source in a jar, push all that to close jars. Uh, and and if this if the group exists, it doesn't exist, it creates the group for you and you now own it and then uh, it's released. So it's 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 really straightforward. The the one sticky piece there is that uh, by default, Line wants to GPG sign your artifacts, um, mm-hmm. and so then you have to have created a GPG key and do a little bit of configuration there to set that up. Or in your project.clj, you can say you can tell it not to sign releases, and then it'll just skip that step. And Clojure's doesn't enforce signatures. It just the only enforcement it has around signatures is that if you if one part of your deploy is signed, all parts have to be signed. That's the only uh, constraint there. I mean, it sounds pretty straightforward if you know what to do. Uh, yeah. And uh, if someone has any problem with this, is there any place, what's the best place to reach out? So uh, we, um, on the Clojurian Slack, there's a Clojurian channel, um, which um, I hang out in. And so uh, mm-hmm. I try to be responsive there. If people have issues, they can also go to the GitHub project and file an issue there. Um, they can also email um, contact at closures.org. Are, are there any other tips or anything you could say to any kind of person trying to work with closures or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the biggest issue people have with deploying is, is there's really, let's see, there's three real issues that people have with deploying. The primary one is um, GPG, just trying mm-hmm. to, you know, especially if they've never used GPG before and they're not familiar with that model, um, trying to get a key set up and get it configured correctly and, and to sign things. That's the most common problem. And, and a lot of people will, you know, on, on that step, realize that they can just disable it and they disable it and then the, the releases aren't signed. Um, second uh, problem we see is uh, people trying to deploy um to a group that already exists that they don't, they're not a member of. Um, so on closure is like when you, again, when you, when you first deploy to a group, you become the owner of that, but then you can delegate the right to deploy to that group to other people. Mm-hmm. So they'll try to deploy to a group that already exists uh, and not be able to. Um, I guess, I guess there's also another issue that is more common than that now. And that is people that try to deploy, they've deployed in the past and they're trying to deploy now, but, in between the their last deploy and now we introduced deploy tokens mm-hmm. and so they, they they struggle with um you know s- making the switch from password based deploys to, to token based deploys um but yeah so trying to deploy a group to a group that they don't have rights to is an issue and then um lastly trying to deploy to a group that may that 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 may not exist on closures but it exists on maven central uh, and we don't allow that. So there's a, there's a little bit, um, you know, with with Maven repositories, there's a there's a little there's a not a little there is a, a significant security risk depending on what um, repositories you have listed in your project. So what? Mm-hmm. So with a line project and a um, and a, a tools depths project and a boot project, by default you have there's a built-in list of repositories, and that repository list is Maven Central followed by uh, closures. And what happens is that if you have a dependency in your project, 
um, it will ask Maven Central first, hey, do you have this thing I'm looking for? And if Maven Central returns a 404, basically saying no, it'll then move on to the next repository and ask it. Um, so, uh, and, the, and the reason why we have both Maven Central and clo closure, uh, or sorry, Clojars as the defaults in the build tools is that all org.closure uh, releases go to Maven Central. So Clojure itself, um, you know, spec, all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and so what happens is that it asks these things in, in order, but if you, if you edit, you can change that order. Uh, and if, if you put a, another repository in front of Maven Central, it will get asked first. And so if that other repository allows you to deploy things to the org.closure group, for example, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody has then deployed a malicious version of Closure to that repository, you will download that version instead of the official version of Maven Central. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to help avoid that type of situation for anything that would, that would maybe be served from central closures does not allow you to uh, deploy to any group that also exists on maven central mm -hmm. um, so you, you can't come in and, and and deploy you know to the com.postgresql group uh via close on closures because it exists on maven central um so i know that was a long-winded explanation of that but yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and are, do you do you if someone would like to contribute or help with closures, um, is there anything that you would ask people maybe to look at or anything like this? Yeah, so we have on 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 GitHub we have um, quite a few open issues. Some of them are are fairly low hanging uh, fruit, mm -hmm. uh, pretty straightforward issues to do. Like um, you know, like right now I, I know there's an issue out there right now. Um, the the closures UI is very uh, when, when it when it's if it finds a reference in the palm.xml to your source code where it's hosted, it'll link to it. But it's very GitHub centric. It doesn't understand Bitbucket. It doesn't understand GitLab. It doesn't understand other hosting mm -hmm. systems. Um, so um, that would be a pretty straightforward enhancement uh, to make. To, to link out to, to make it easier to link out to other source source code providers um and also um yeah i mean i'm, I'm happy to chat if, if folks have ideas about improvements to the ui or to the deployment process or any any part of it uh um i know we also have uh we have a search index that we build of the jars um it's not um it, it's a leucine index, and that's what if you go to closures to search via the mm -hmm. UI or search via the API, uh, that's what it's using. Um, but it's it's it could use some tuning, uh, like it it can give confusing results sometimes. Um, so I'm not a expert by any means on leucine. So if somebody is and they want to, or has an interest in becoming you know that and they want to help out, that would be great too. Is there anything else you would like to talk about? Just, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Clojars and, um, yeah, I've enjoyed, uh, working on it the last few years. So, uh, cool. uh most yeah, of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. You know, as I said, we all take for granted and this is something that we just believe is just there. Um, so cool. So thank you for your time. Thank you. And till next time.
All right. Thanks, Jay. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider supporting it by rating on the platform you're listening to, sharing with others, and supporting it directly by buying some video courses and learning Clojure Script and Clojure. You can check out the courses at jacekshe.com. That is J-A-C-K-S-C-H-A-E.com. Thanks.